Hello, and welcome to Soul Science with Namaste Carly, where we break down the science of alternative medicine and holistic healing. Today, I would like to talk about the power of plant medicines. Throughout history, people have used plants as remedies for ages to treat a variety of illnesses. A lot of modern medicine pushers like to write off the power of plants, when in reality, about 40% of prescription drugs actually come from plant extracts or are synthesized plant compounds. I think the problem and dismissal of plant medicine really lies in the lack of research that supports herbal remedies, but that is actually more of a political issue. Who's going to sponsor a study to prove that herbal remedies are beneficial when they cannot be patented and are typically much more affordable than prescription drugs? A lot of people also like to chalk up the benefits to the placebo effect, which may be the case, but if it helps, it helps, so why not try it? The only time I wouldn't recommend a person trying something that could potentially be beneficial is if the side effects are potentially more dangerous or worse than the potential benefit. But most herbal remedies have little to no side effects. The difference between a, rest, a western approach with herbs and an eastern approach with herbs is kind of the way they are prescribed and used. In the west, symptoms are they present themselves, we go to see a doctor, and typically you'll get a medication to hopefully fix the problem. But if the issue persists, you just have to go back to the doctor and it's kind of a trial and error situation where they give you a new drug, hopefully that works, etc., etc. And you either continue in this fashion until the problem is gone or they just can't help you. Sometimes you will have a doctor that will ask you like lifestyle questions and make holistic or alternative medicine recommendations, but that is quite rare. So it's pretty rare that Western medical doctors um, even advise or recommend things like herbs, um, but it can happen. In Eastern medicine, everything about a person is taken into consideration, not just the symptoms that you are presenting with, You'll typically get treatment for whatever it is that is ailing you and then also receive suggestions to fix the problem to prevent it from happening again. Um, the whole body and lifestyle approach is the holistic approach. And that is also how traditional plant medicine is used. Because uh, plants are significantly less concentrated in their natural form, they typically have to be taken regularly over a longer period of time uh, for more of a cumulative effect. Uh, but with all natural versus synthetic things, the natural form has other components working synergistically with the active compound, not just isolated chemicals, which is usually what the synthetic form or drug is. Um, so it's not a quick fix. Typically, herbal medicines are not something that you can take and then you'll see immediate uh, effect. It's something that has to be taken regularly over time and you see the benefit that way. So it's definitely more of like a preventative, not something meant for like acute treatment. But in that line of thinking, it's kind of the same thing 
as like eating a whole food or whole food supplements versus taking synthetic vitamins. Synthetic vitamins are typically just one component, like vitamin C, for example, that has been manufactured in a lab. It lacks all of the fiber, fructose, and other components you might find in the natural food form. So in that regard, it is also completely uh, processed differently than, say, by when you eat an orange. A lot of synthetic vitamins are not even taken up by the body and are just eliminated as waste. This also places unnecessary strain on your detox organs, such as your liver and kidneys. To that extent, the same can be said about pharmaceutical drugs as well. Typically, herbs in their natural form are absorbed by the body differently and have a more mild effect but with the accumulation of the compounds over time, it has more of a profound and noticeable effect on the body. Also, like with whole foods, usually the most effective and potent form of herbal remedies is as a food and simply ingested. This is probably due to a similar mechanism of action where isolating a compound actually makes it less effective. It's kind of unrelated, but it reminded me of kind of certain bacterial communities and how some of the individual species cannot be isolated and grown in a lab because for whatever reason, the lab conditions lack something that is necessary for the bacteria to grow. Um, so if you take them out of the community that they're in, they will not live, like they'll just die. The same is kind of true for most artificial conditions, whether that is with your supplements or the medicines you are taking. The natural form is intelligently designed. Whether you believe in a creator or the process of evolution, plants are very complex and produce a multitude of compounds that help them to survive and thrive in nature. And again, they often work synergistically or better in combination with other natural occurring compounds. However, both approaches to medicine try to take the simplest and least harmful route possible first and work up to more potent concentrations and higher doses because with increased potency, you also see an increase in harmful side effects with both herbal and pharmaceutical remedies. I do think that the holistic approach is better at actually preventing illness, whereas Western medicine is more effective for treating acute pain, illness, infection, and things like trauma. The holistic approach always focuses more on helping the body to heal itself and boosting the immune system so that it can defend and remediate the issues on its own. As always, it is good to educate yourself on all of these matters, Understand the limits of each, both Western and Eastern medicine, and build a healthcare team that you trust and can openly communicate with. Um, I just hope that this podcast will give you some more insight on herbal medicines. There are some contraindications for certain herbal remedies because they can have harmful interactions or alter the effectiveness of certain pharmaceuticals which is why it is important to do your research and also let your doctor or healthcare provider know about anything you might be taking. So when you say plant medicine, a lot of times people think strictly of the hallucinogenic plant medicines such as marijuana, peyote, 
or ayahuasca. Yes, those are also plant medicines, um, but there's also a whole variety of non-hallucinogenic uh, plants that more commonly take the form of teas, tinctures, and things like spices. I'm not here to promote or shame the use of hallucinogenic plant medicines, um, although the medical benefit of things like marijuana has been proven, which is why it is legal in several states in the U.S., as far as the other plant medicines are concerned, I do believe they hold benefit, if not in a physical manner, definitely in a mental and spiritual manner. Many indigenous peoples and tribes hold certain plant medicines to be sacred, and they also hold special ceremonies for their use. And I am of the belief that that is for good reason. There are reasons why these plants are unique and it is not simply because they can get you high or because they're fun. Um, there is lots of new research to suggest that the use of certain psychoactive plant medicines can actually be helpful in treating things like PTSD, anxiety, and depression. I am also of the belief that most of these plant medicines are not of the recreational use variety. Like, I don't think it's something you should be taking daily or even weekly or maybe once a month. I don't, I don't think it should be taken that often. Um, or they should be used or taken under like proper circumstances in the right environment. There is an interesting book called uh, Be Here Now that was written by Ram Das, who actually passed away recently. And basically, he talks about how he started out as like a psychologist interested in hallucinogenic drugs, and he discovers yoga. Basically, he desired to achieve these higher states of consciousness that he was experiencing while under the influence, but he wanted to do that without the use of drugs. And that led him to India, where he met a few gurus that basically described um, a way of living, so the yogic way of living, that would help you to unlock the potentials of the mind, and therefore you would no longer need drugs to achieve these kind of higher states of consciousness and being. Um, and he actually talks about how, I think it was like LSD that he gave to one of the gurus that had absolutely no effect on the teacher because he was just like so well trained in his mind and body that this external drug had no effect on him. <clears throat> he also describes though, I think, which is really important, how using these drugs or plant medicines when you're not mentally or physically prepared uh, or you're not grounded enough can have negative effects on a person. But this is kind of a poor summary of the book. If you find this topic interesting, I highly recommend the book. It's a bit strange, but it's not difficult to get through. There are even illustrations in it. Some very interesting illustrations at that, too. But back to plant medicines of the non-hallucinogenic variety. There are so many different ones to explore. I decided to pull some from an article that I found in Healthline that describes the nine most powerful medicinal plants that are backed by science. 
Um, I'll provide the link to the article in this episode's description if you'd like to check out the article in its entirety for yourself. Interestingly enough, ginkgo is the first plant that they list, which is also one of the oldest living plants on the planet. Um, They also stated that it's considered a living fossil as there have been ginkgo fossils discovered that date back 270 million years and modern day plants can live to be 3,000 years old. It is pretty, um, it is a pretty important plant medicine staple in uh, Chinese medicine. I think it's also kind of important to discuss why plants have developed all of these special compounds and animals typically do not. I think the key difference in that regard between plants and animals is that the ability to move. Um, If in most cases, if not all of them, plants are completely stationary and rely on outside forces for them to travel and to pollinate and germinate and all that good stuff. So in response to that, they have developed ways to protect themselves from like being eaten by insects to death or infection from various bacteria and viruses. Um, It's essentially the plant's immune system at work. And just like our bodies have natural defenses against invaders, so do plants. So it seems kind of intuitive that an organism like ginkgo that has such a long lifespan would have discovered ways to manage cellular damage that occurs over time. Most of the researched benefit of taking ginkgo is linked to boosting brain health, treating mild to moderate forms of dementia. As cellular degeneration occurs over time, It kind of makes sense that ginkgo would contain compounds that help slow the progression um, of dementia and things like Alzheimer's disease as they probably have a similar mechanism of degeneration. Or in other words, cellular degeneration is a more generalized process that is unbiased in the types of cells or origins that it affects. So it it affects both plant and animal cells. But there's also evidence to suggest that ginkgo can help with diabetes, bone regeneration, eye health, anxiety, and depression. It is also important to note that there have been liver damage uh, associated with long-term usage of ginkgo, and that the seeds are actually poisonous if ingested. It has numerous drug interactions, so it is important to discuss the usage of ginkgo with your doctor and consider the possible side effects too. Turmeric is another plant that has been a staple in Ayurveda or the sister science to yoga in India for thousands of years. It is pretty common as a spice and recognizable by its intense yellow color that will basically stain anything that it touches. It has proven benefit for alleviating pain and symptoms associated with arthritis. It is believed to have antarctic anti-cancer properties and to help prevent damage to your DNA as well. The best way to take turmeric is in food form as the dosage of supplements is often too high and the quality of most is questionable at best. It is naturally not easily absorbed by the body or has low bioavailability, but this can actually be remedied by the presence of black pepper. 
So a common beverage with turmeric is called golden milk, which is basically a turmeric latte. And if you add a sprinkle of black pepper on top, you are good to go. If you think that sounds disgusting or gross, this type of beverage is usually sweetened with things like honey or agave syrup. Um, I personally am a fan. And if it will help your joints feel better from arthritis, it's an easy way to uh, incorporate that into your daily routine or drink it regularly. The final two I will discuss are lavender and chamomile as they have a lot of scientific support to suggest that they help to relieve the symptoms of anxiety and stress. While lavender is popular as an aromatherapy, it's typically used in essential oil form. Chamomile is most commonly used as a tea. Lavender has also been shown to help with blood pressure and to alleviate migraines. If nothing else, it smells great. However, apparently lavender is poisonous if ingested, which leads me to wonder about uh, lavender-flavored beverages like lavender lattes and lavender-infused lemonades. Although drinking floral notes has never really been my thing, that might be something to look more into. Chamomile has been shown to have some anti-cancer properties and can be used to help with insomnia. So if you're thinking, or if so, if you have something that ails you and modern medicine has failed you or is not helping you exponentially, then maybe consider looking to the plant kingdom for some help. Again, a lot of these plant medicines have been used for ages and have little to no side effects. However, it is important to consult with your doctors and healthcare providers to avoid any drug interactions or adverse side effects. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please like and subscribe. Any reviews that you feel compelled to write are greatly appreciated. You can find this podcast on eight different platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. Thanks to the quarantine situation, I'm actually exploring Twitch as a platform to host this podcast and conduct remote interviews since it is still not advised to meet with people in person. So if you're on Twitch, you can find me there as Namaste Carly. I'm also on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Namaste Carly as well. I hope that you have a marvelous day. Please take care of yourselves and stay safe. Until next time, namaste.